0: Hey everyone, you're listening to the Designers Institute Student Council. I'm Joel Cooper and with me is Clara Gann and we study industrial design at Massey University in Wellington. Today our guest is Matt Burgess, owner and leader and lead cardboard engineer at Think Packaging. Established in 2010, Think Packaging is an award-winning structural packaging design studio that's pure focus is cardboard engineering and delivering solutions. Matt's talent has shone through his work and with a long list of awards and well-known clientele, it's no secret Matt is greatly succeeding as a packaging designer. So thanks, Matt, for coming along today. How are you going today?
1: Very kind, I'm good, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, good, it's a good day today.
0: Nice. So could you summarize like a little bit about yourself and how you ended up doing what you're doing at the moment? Like it's super interesting. Yeah,
1: so I'm kind of a self-labelled cardboard engineer because I don't really know what else to to kind of call it. I guess the, the industry would kind of call it a structural packaging designer. I chose Carbide Engineer because it kind of gets to the point more because I get confused between a graphic designer or a, a structural designer. I've, I've been doing this and calling myself that for just over 20 years. So when I was seven from 17, shit.
0: Yeah, oh, 17.
1: <laughs> yeah. <Awesome. laughs> and kind of, I guess, to lip how I got into it, I, I stayed on to study at school to kind of do arts and mm. graphics. That's really all, all that was kind of offered creatively at my school back in the UK, mm-hmm. and I realised I wasn't that studious, so I just didn't do any work and ended up leaving because I was just playing football the whole time. So <laughs> I, I, um, I randomly, my my dad was reading through a paper and there was an advert for packaging designer slash sample maker, and I went for an interview in like my favourite shirt tucked into a pair of chinos, and there was this old dude from London who was cutting cardboard boxes from hand, like drawing <laughs> it on a computer, printing it out, and then sticking it to a piece of board and masking tape and cutting it out in front of my eyes. And I just kind of, I was hooked. And pretty much since then, like, that's been me. That's what I've done, yeah. When did, when pretty did pretty you fun. come to New Zealand? NZ, it was probably about 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. So I, we kind of, my, my now wife and I who came with me British where we'd kind of ditched our jobs and realized that we wanted to travel the world just to freak our parents out we just quit our jobs <laughs> sold everything and booked a one-way ticket to Rio in Brazil oh,
0: cool. and
1: uh, they were kind of like coming back like so, yeah like someday but we'll be back at some stage we're just trying to live loose <laughs> and yeah we we kind of traveled the globe and ended up coming coming here to snowboard actually in Queenstown. Mm-hmm. And we'd just come from Oz. We'd done like a year in Oz. I didn't really know what to expect of New Zealand. I, I assumed it was going to be like Wales in the UK, like pretty mm-hmm. countryside, loads of sheep, but sunny. That was pretty much what I thought. And we kind of hit Queenstown and I was just like, holy shit. this place!" Mm-hmm. Yeah, off the charts. And it was the Kiwis that kind of got to us. Everyone just was like... Massively out of their way to help us in any way possible, and that, yeah, that that basically we started to look at residency, and after about two years, we we got it, yeah, and started the yep. business uh, in Nelson, weirdly, yeah. Oh, that's
2: wonderful. So the yeah. thing, um, start in New Zealand, I assume.
1: Yeah, yeah, I've never owned a business before. It, t- to be honest, the the way things started because I'd always done it since I was a kid. We was in Nelson and finding like a good job that kind of helped pay the mortgage is really tough for the skills I had because the only skill I've got is designing boxes and no one really no one did it so I ended up working in a joinery shop as like I don't know what what was I like client liaison or something basically I was the guy that if there was a problem it was my problem so that that lasted about three months and I quit that And and my wife Jane was like you need to start a business so I just kind of did I just started, I started from my kitchen kitchen table with um, our first child, Madison, who was three months old. And in between like looking after her and walking the dog, I was cutting boxes on a table in my lounge and cool. <laughs> posting work and just see if anyone out there would like listen, <laughs> pretty depressing mm-hmm. to start to be fair, it's quite funny. <laughs> yeah, well, there, was yeah. there like
0: a big first job that you landed that kind of made oh, you this is really
1: something that... Uh, okay. I think the first thing that kind of hit me was because I was working for my kitchen and I was just posting like really rough projects. So I started a Behance page and I used that as a portfolio and just mm-hmm. started its own workout and trying to start social media, just saying like, hey, I make boxes, it's cool. And yeah. the first time I kind of thought, shit, this could turn into a business was I had an email from the United States and it was a job. I can't remember what they were called now. But um, it was like this guy from the other side of the world had seen what I was doing and gave me a job that was like, I think it was about, I quoted it, about a $1,000 job. And to me back then, that was was like a massive job. Yeah. 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 These little plastic clips that you stick on like a fridge and put notes on it. And he, I did I did shitloads of work on it, Lo- loads mm-hmm. of concepts, all handmade. And then he, he paid me up front. And then I think I posted it. I sent it to thedialine.com and they posted it as so I was featured and then from there I think packaging just started to kind of trickle a bit more and it kind of grew from that little seed you know like just getting your work posted somewhere that was probably the biggest thing yeah
2: cool that's so that's wonderful so, cool. so what are probably some of your favorite experiences and biggest learning curves in your career
1: uh experiences I would say starting to think would be um collaboration when I used to work in like packaging companies um, back in the UK. We didn't really collaborate. We'd just design something and it would go and someone would do the artwork.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we'd never really
1: see it back. But here, and the way of have kind of forged the business was for complete transparency that we do this bit, the structural, and then we, we want to collaborate with designers and agencies. And we're extremely lucky to work with a whole bunch of different disciplines all mm-hmm. around the world now. And they chip in ideas or it's our idea or it's a collection of ideas and then like once the structure's done then generally the people we're working with are just killing it they're just making it look amazing afterwards you know yeah. so it's making our work even better you know if we do a job and we think it's 10 out of 10 it pushes it to 11 or 12 with the likes of the guys we work with so that's like that's been my favorite bit yeah okay and not being told what to do <laughs> you know because yeah. Just... yeah that's pretty cool that is pretty cool. Starting a
0: business, there, are there any sort of things that you'd share that you'd not repeat again?
1: To be honest, like, no. I think starting a business, is the best thing I ever did, I'd probably say, mm-hmm. hands on heart. It's probably the, the best thing that I thought I never wanted to do, but I actually learned that I was pretty good at it. And I think that comes from, like, it just took a lot of time. Like, yeah. especially because mm-hmm. this is so niche. I literally had five years of not really earning any money and i was working like night shift sorting parcels at career post which i used to tell everyone that it was like uh, research for my job <laughs> like i was undercover so like I, I slogged i did the hard yards i i think if you're going to do something like that you just gotta you just gotta realize that no one's going to give you it you've got to go and get it mm-hmm. but touching back to why we loved nz is i just asked people i'd ask for opportunities and just go and talk to people, network. Yeah. I did a lot of that in the early days, just getting used to just introducing myself. Yeah.
0: You know? Yeah. Was that that's sort of like expos or like, like just meetups or things? Or
1: was yeah. It... Expos is weird because it's hard to like crowbar in going, hey, talk to me. Mm-hmm. I like design boxes. Do you need a box? Because then they think you're a, a packaging company, which then puts mm-hmm. you in kind of like the, oh, this guy's selling to me potentially, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. So I used to, I'd go to events. I was in Nelson at the time. So I did like networking groups and events similar that I could find to what like a DINs event would be, you know, like a best of the best talk or something like that. Mm -hmm. Something that you'd have like-minded people in the room that you, they might be a speaker and you might be able to go up to them and say, I love what you do. I do this. Can I email you and you can send me like a good person to talk to. And you'll find Mm -hmm. that most people would just be like, sure.
0: No worries. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Do you find any limitations working with paper and cardboard? I know like for us industrial designers, we, we often look at it as, as like just a phase of our design process, but sort of looking at your work, I've, I've now sort of realized that there's so many things you can do with it. And it, and it makes you realize how many applications you can.
1: Often we'll look at something and be like, how can I, I look at stuff, think like, how can I build that from cardboard rather than what material should we use? It's kind of like, I wonder how that would work. But like some of the theory through most materials is still used in what we do here with cardboard. It just so happens that we use this substrate because it can be printed, die cut, yeah. pretty affordable. You know, it kind of, it's funny because it's always been used. So I guess you could argue there must be a new material that could outdo it. But if anything, its it's got cooler to use cardboard than it ever has been. You know, there's cardboard furniture, cardboard yeah fucking beds and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, people are building houses out of cardboard. Like it, it's probably been underrated for that many years and I've been I've been like yeah. a proper diehard fan of it since I was young and people just thought I was nuts. But yeah, it's the only limitations would just be if you've got something really heavy, you know, mm-hmm. you just can't use it. But then that does lead more into a more industrial design, you know, and wood and metals and stuff like that. So I leave that to those experts. You know, I know my limitations. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Good thing. Yeah.
2: Personally, I have a packaging project that I'm currently doing and kind of linking it a lot to sustainability as well. So just wondering, like, how much do you think about the end of life of like structural packaging and stuff like that?
1: Oh, a lot. Probably in everything we design. I've kind of got like a, a motto inside that just, like, if you're going to design something that's going to be made, then do it well. Because if you're going to design something that's going to look and work like a piece of crap, then it's just tossed away for no reason. If, If you're going to make something, then at least make it. It's got to be for a purpose, and it's got to work right. And I guess you can select certain materials that kind of go with that product the best. So if it's got to be compostable, there's all these new materials and cardboard that can be recycled and composted. But often at the same time, it comes at like a premium cost. So... Mm -hmm. there's a lot of talk about I don't know if anything's truly fully sustainable you know so it's a bit of a, a strange area but I do get asked a lot and I don't I haven't really got that perfect answer for that yeah the only cool. thing would be is that kind of yeah we try not to over package stuff but then you can be caught on that saying if you do you know we do some extravagant jars of honey that are worth two thousand dollars mm. and the package is extravagant but that, that they are at low numbers and you, you generally those packages are classed as a keepsake rather than a disposable recycled or you know recyclable mm-hmm. item so yeah. brief by brief you know kind of changes
2: well that's really cool to hear um and but that there's a lot of like sustainability thinking towards like the end of life as well um yeah. and i guess it leads on to my next question about how do you kind of find balance between protecting the product and like the aesthetic of the packaging and the cool structural parts of it as well
1: and that's good because that leads on to that last point of designing designing smart i think we we can design quite smart and quite often we're doing a job at the moment where we're we're redoing a whole suite of packaging and of effort just some a bit of considered thought we've kind of naturally made the pack do the same job so it keeps the package they keeps the product safe but it's using less material less insert lower ground material so that i think that that smart thinking and experience leads into just not having a box full of stuff there's yeah. a the box itself with its internal flaps are generally on a on a carton you can use those to do a job of an insert a separate insert so Generally, it's just getting into that thought pattern of spending that extra time really thinking and sketching ideas down, rather than just jumping in doing something that most people would do. We, we try to think of like route B. It's quite hard though to get into that mindset, but that comes with twenty years.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Day, you know,
0: you work with Steens and David Tribidge. It comes across as quite like a simple form when laid out, but it's like the flow of it when it's interacted with is like fascinating. I was just curious how you got to that end design or whether it was like sort of a concept idea that you revisited or whether it was like the final like idea that you, it, that you got to.
1: Again, it's that beauty of collaboration. It was Dean's actually contacted. I think they were working with David Trubidge and the team before they spoke to me. Hmm. And then they emailed me saying, Hey, we want to work with you. You're going to collaborate with a NZ designer. And I was like, rad, that's what we do. And they said, it's David Trubidge. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. But he's a lighting designer. like." Hmm. I'm not sure how this is going to work, but beautifully, they've been working on the concepts of this box. And although we tweaked all that, they had this idea of this opening, this spinning, kind of Trubidge-esque look and feel, and like the, how like beautifully they have uh, Nature and New Zealand come across in their work that replicated, there was, a, I think, an old light that just tweaked around with that opened and changed form to change the patterns of the shading in the room. And they thought it'd be a good idea to have that open like a flower out of paper so we kind of from the initial thought that they'd laid down it then kind of came to us to try to finesse that which was not easy we said yes to it and it was probably the hardest thing we've ever done ever took on like months and hours and hours of pure frustration and almost almost to the point i actually wanted to give up it's very i don't think i've ever gave up before in a packaging job but yeah i literally i threw my toys out the pram and I just said yeah. that fuck it, I'm I'm not doing this. I'm putting it down for a week and I'm yeah. not working on it anymore. And when we come back it was just a simple thing of joining the, the fronds of the flowers together by two mils straight. Yeah. yeah. That cured everything. And curling them in the right way. And then it went kind of back and forth of me and the D T team. And once that was done then it was kind of they helped with the look of the pack and then we did all the form and worked out how nothing would move and how it sat in all the box and Yeah, it was a strange a strange brilliant collaboration that i'm really glad we did but kind of didn't think it would work at the start so yeah. Yeah. just shows that pushing that opportunity actually had a big payoff because it's a really great piece of work that we're mm. really proud of
2: glad you guys didn't yeah, give up totally cool. because yeah we love it so much
1: it's very random but in a <laughs> wicked way you know yeah, yeah i won't be rushing to do it again but mm. um, it's good to put a feather in the cap yeah. yeah
2: do you have any tips and tricks that might help young designers like in coming years
1: Just have a play with making stuff. That's all I did. Like find, you can find lines online just Mm. by searching. I think we released some Dialyne, I think on the com. if you tap in something like line book, I did it with this guy called Avelio Matos. He Mm. he worked for a company over in the States and I threw a few lines in and there's this whole free resource book that you can just download and cut stuff out and just start playing. And then when you start playing with it, your brain to kick in to work out why things are working the way they are and measurements and settings and basically just get stuff on a cutting mat and a ruler, a pen Mm -hmm. for creasing and a craft knife and just start making boxes for stuff. Or, or, you know, like what you're saying in industrial design, you use cardboard and work out the way it works with the grain because all board has a grain in it. So if it's with it, it's kind of stronger. If it's against it, it will curve better. So if it runs with it, it will curve better. Stuff like that. I and mean, obviously it goes up in thicknesses, but it's just about getting cutting. I'd say.
0: Were there any other tips on sort of starting a business or like things that you knew along the way? I think, yeah.
1: Uh, I think it, I, I lived on it earlier of starting... Like log in your work. I used Behance because it was free. There could be some other stuff now, but people find our work on Behance, and still we get inquiries through Behance. Certainly in the early days, probably more so in the early days than now. Yeah. I think it's like the number one tool to find creative So I'd say mm. put it out there, do a bit of a write up on it, photograph it the best you can. You can buy a little photo booth now. Pretty. I bought a Boldio or something it's like two hundred bucks. Just and just start talking. It's hard because. I I know the feeling like when when I was looking for a job I moved to London before we went traveling I just went knocking on doors mm-hmm. sending people emails and I got loads of knockbacks because to be fair my portfolio is pretty crap I didn't really keep any of my work from when I was doing it for eight years previous in my mm-hmm. job and that was one regret I didn't have anything to show I was just like trust me I'm pretty good just give me a yeah. shot but people need it's not just visually you've got a you've got to barking on about how good you are and how amazing your portfolio is Tangibles back so i'd say send who you want to work with send them something create like a little dm package that they open in the mail and you've got their attention because i get my emails do my head in through the day and as soon as something lands on my desk i'll sit and open it you know i'll stop what i'm doing yeah yeah
2: yeah That's actually yeah. Really cool. i've never actually really thought of that <laughs> but, but- yeah
1: honestly you get anything in the post it stops you and you it's almost quite exciting, even mm-hmm. if it's a bill, like there's that little bit before it that you think it might not be the bill. But yeah, just talk to people, yeah. make connections, I guess, start LinkedIn and you have to do all that jazz. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: But it, yeah, it's a bit, I didn't get that at first, but I totally get it now. We made probably the best client in our history through LinkedIn about four months ago, just mm-hmm. by me dropping a comment and they DM me and we got one of our biggest jobs as well. Yeah. That's strange. Yeah taking that opportunity to reach out
2: so we have time for one last question and yep. we just thought to kind of have a little fun question because we know that you did the din's pinata yes. yeah ago yeah so do you have any like good tips on making a good pinata
1: and making a good pinata <laughs> yeah fill it with lollies i don't think that was filled with lollies because weren't like, <laughs> whack it to death because they're helping safety so that was boo to make a good one heaps of old cardboard a bunch of gaffer tape and, <laughs> and get someone else to do the ticker tape stuff because I just made it naked and that was hard enough and then I think Kathy wrote someone in, in there to stick all those purple bits of foil on, Yeah. so uh, yeah. try to avoid that bit because that would be probably quite tricky so again you know I did the bare bones and someone else made it look awesome afterwards so
2: mm.
1: it proves my point <laughs> <laughs> it, it, um, <laughs> stick to your knitting you know <laughs> <laughs> and make it massive make it horse size like that oh, yes yeah <laughs> definitely the, the, fir- the first one i made i think i sent a video of me like riding it across the studio like a little <laughs> dog and then kathy was like we need it like five times as big so like, oh, so I like know. horse size it's like yeah so make it massive
2: yeah <laughs> yeah well wow, that's Sweet. that's wonderful yeah so well, thank you so much matt for coming and talking to us Um, so yeah thank you for listening to the designers institute student council podcast keep an eye out for the next episode we would love for you to share on facebook twitter and instagram and where you can tag the designers institute of new zealand if you're feeling generous you can give us a rating on itunes it really helps with getting the podcast out to new listeners so yeah thank you everybody and we'll see you next time it was
1: awesome talking to you awesome thanks guys see you later